Welcome back to the show. Dr. Anthony Balduzzi is joining us. So welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks for having me, Jason. Or doctor, what do you prefer? Or doc? Let's go, let's go with Anthony. Let's keep it fun, unofficial and stuff today. I always find it strange when doctors prefer to go by their first name because I'm like, man, you spent you know, 20 years in school. Enjoy, enjoy those letters. Well, let me tell you on the, on the flip side of it, like at least I can, I can only speak for myself. I feel like just like an average guy who went through a horrendous and long schooling experience. So, you know, like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's cause I've gone through some, some spiritual work recently, but the title means nothing to me. And I learned, I, I quite frankly, I know there's so many people without any credentials that know even more than I do. And I've studied this stuff for 20 years. So it's, it's, I, I appreciate the formality. Um, I would love Anthony for today though. Sounds good. It's like the, it's like Chris Farley says in Tommy boy, or maybe it was David Spain. A lot of people go to school for eight years. They're called yeah. doctors. So you, I, I do want to ask you about that. So I'm, I'm looking at your, at least one of your bios on mm-hmm. AANMC. I'm not exactly sure what that stands for. I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a naturopathic organization. Yeah. I just did a Google search earlier today, doing a little research. So, so tell me what a naturopathic doctor means. Yeah. So there are, well, first off, like, let's go big picture. There are a couple of different types of doctors you can become. Um, and there's some politics to it, but I think more importantly, some philosophical components. People are very familiar with MDs, medical doctors. Some people are familiar with DOs, doctors of osteopathic medicine. A lot of them practice, um, you know, like MDs and other ones practice a little more holistically. Um, and then there's NMDs. And I, you can almost put it on the scale of, um, or at least how it has been historically of like how how conventional or how um, alternative, we can use the word hippie, I guess you could say, if that's the spectrum, naturopaths are more on the um, alternative side. And that's how most people perceive naturopathic doctors to be. But I think uh, the reason I was so attracted to the medicine, and I came from like a mainstream, hardline, you know, scientific research community uh, and background is that naturopathic medicine believes, first off, that the body has an inherent ability to heal itself. And that is the doctor's job to stimulate that healing in patients versus maybe what the conventional approach to medicine has been up to this date is that we need to do something. um, We need to apply something external to fix you. Like it's the medicine that's fixing you. So you have a problem. Here is something external that we can do. And it's the medicines that's doing the work. Where philosophically naturopathic medicine, we're like the body has this inherent ability to heal itself. Let's create the conditions for the body to be able to do that. And when you believe that, when you believe that the body has this inherent, um, we call it the vis, but the, this kind of like energy in the body that um, is the aligning, um, you could use the word life force, but it's kind of like governing principle and the laws of this body that create health. You also start to look at the body holistically. We have a very reductionistic kind of medical system right now where you have a heart doctor and that heart doctor has a goal, maybe to you know get your blood pressure and cholesterol levels to a certain, uh, certain place. And at the same time, you have a kidney doctor that looks at things from a different perspective. And maybe at some certain times they have different goals. And then you might have a pulmonologist, whereas naturopaths look at the system more holistically. Everything is interconnected. So how do we treat all systems together? How are they connected? Um, and I guess also, you know, not denying the importance of what we'd call mind, body, spirit, in addition to maybe the physical, because we, we now know from the fields of like psychoneuroendocrinology, how, you know, our thoughts are dynamically affecting um, our neurotransmitter creation, the different kinds of stress hormones that are happening in the body. So um, really treating the whole person 
understanding the body has its natural ability to heal itself. Um, and the fact, another principle in naturopathic medicine is that prevention is the best cure. So where naturopathic medicine really shines um, is helping people with, you know, the stuff that most people in the United States are suffering with right now, like metabolic disorders, dysfunctions of the metabolism, um, diseases of excess with nutrition, um, diseases of overstress. Naturopathic medicine helps like correct that system versus looking at it very reductionistically. And the cool news is that all these medical fields are kind of converging right now and they're calling themselves functional medicine. I don't know if you've heard that term, but course, functional yeah. medicine is kind of like how the MDs are now learning the stuff that the naturopaths have been doing with like a focus on gut health, that diet and circadian rhythm management is incredibly important for health and that we treat and look at the whole system holistically instead of just, you know, giving a medication to mask a deeper problem. Um, so in my mind, you know, it's all medicine. It's all here to help people. Um, I just personally jive with some of these philosophies of prevention, looking at the whole system. And I also believe that the body has this self aligning governing mechanism. It's the doctor's job to help support that in the patient, not to feel like arrogantly the doctor's doing the healing. It's the body of the patient that's doing the healing. The doctor's just helping stimulate that through, uh, through therapies and, and any other things that are done. Yeah, and I know we talked briefly before we hit record that you don't currently do CrossFit, but the CrossFit world has really, in my opinion, embraced this. You know, mm -hmm. and whether it was from the founder, Coach Glassman, who was a tremendous proponent of things like off the carbs, off the couch, and mm -hmm. curing type 2 diabetes and metabolic disease. You know, I think the CrossFitters around the world have really become at the forefront of, hey, eating right and exercise, you know, even during this pandemic, yes, it's, you know, medicine, medicine, vaccine, and, and I'm all for some of these things, but mm -hmm. I personally have a really tough time understanding how people put prioritize anything in this world above their health. Mm -hmm. That's, I'm with you. It's, it's mind blowing to me, even money, right? It's like all the money in the world doesn't matter when you have diabetes or, you know, cancer and set. I mean, obviously some things are certainly nutrition and, and health and fitness related and some things are genetic and some things just happen. But I'm always perplexed by that when it's like, Hey, how are you not exercising? How are you not in exercise can mean whatever it means for you. It doesn't have to be crossed, but how are you not our body? You know, we're not that far removed from hunting and, exactly and, right. and gathering our food. We shouldn't, I mean, even this, we shouldn't be sitting down recording a podcast you know sitting we should be well not to call you out i i am standing but the only reason the only reason i sit so much these days full disclosure is you can see if i scroll down there's a oh, dog yeah. sleeping on my lap so oh, ever yeah. since adopting him I, I have a standing desk in the corner i i found myself sitting far longer because he freaks out if i don't let him get on my oh, lap so what prioritize for me, uh, exercise, nutrition, and mental health. Yeah. Well, the people that we help at our companies, Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project, are like your average person, 35, at least 35 pounds overweight, joints that hurt, sedentary lifestyle, stressed, busy life, hasn't been able to stick to a diet, and has probably tried many different kinds of exercise in the past. So with that person, we have like two primary approaches. Um, the first one um, is definitely on mindset. And I want to get back to that in a second, because as we all know from this helping so many people, um, and whether it's in our boxes or with our businesses, people are not unhealthy due to a lack of information. 
it's because of behaviors, habits, follow through. We all know what healthy foods are. It's just people don't eat them consistently. We all know we should exercise. People just don't feel like they have the time. So the mindset piece is something we work on a ton with the people we coach and help. Um, the second thing that we believe is equally important before we talk about nutrition and exercise um, is like circadian rhythm management. Um, because sleep, like right? sleep, right? Sleep, well, but yeah, sleep. But, yeah. It, but I, I don't even want to use the word sleep though, because sleep makes it seem like it's just a nighttime thing. And I, I'm like, I, I love that, you know, you mentioned that we're not too far removed from our hunter gatherer ancestors. It's so true. And I think although we have like this modern lifestyle, it's led us to the illusion that we're disconnected from like the cycles of nature. We were kind of like, we come from this intimate connection with nature and all of our hormones respond so dynamically to the light cycles. Um, and so sleep is essential. And we know we put two groups of people on diets and exercise re regimes and one of them sleeps well and the other one doesn't. The group that doesn't sleep well, they lose muscle mass. They don't lose as much weight. They have poorer outcomes. So we need to get the sleep thing right. And there's so many you know, nefarious influences with the busyness of our tech, the blue lights, um, the stress and, and people not understanding how to, you know, maybe they're an exercise and they don't have a good outlet for, for maintaining a healthy relationship to stress. All these things cause problems with sleep. So you almost got to fix that first because if you throw someone on an intense exercise routine, a calorie restricted diet, and they're not sleeping well, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing a ball uphill in relation to the, the hormonal milieu that's kind of created there. Uh, and the other thing is, is the importance of actually getting morning sunlight, just to kind of talk about the sleep thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're meant to be out in the sun in the early morning. It hits our skin. It creates that sulfated vitamin D3 that's so essential for health. And it actually gets into our eyes when we actually glance at the sun. Um, it actually stimulates the brain to create serotonin, which is exactly what we give people. You know, try to increase serotonin levels when people are uh, depressed, right? All these drugs. But we actually have this internal pharmacy that's made to be connected with the sun. And later in the day, serotonin gets converted to melatonin. And that is, you know, anti-inflammatory for the entire body and the brain. Actually, certainly helps a lot of women lose fat. Melatonin is super essential for that. Um, and just releasing, reducing neural inflammation. So this cycle needs to be established in everyone. And I think even those of us who um, are no health, practice health, are even maybe disconnected in this area. Because it's something where we, like, we know we should watch our nutrition and our macros and get our workouts in because we have a schedule or a program that we're following. Uh, but the circadian rhythm component is so essential. So we, we, we work on helping our clients reestablish this healthy rhythm and then use the nutrition plan to kind of like create the structure and the architecture for their day so they can manage their behaviors more effectively. Yeah, I think people neglect, you know, whether you call it sleep, the circadian rhythm, especially I'd say, you're right, it is a broader picture. There, there are probably plenty of people that sleep eight hours, but then don't get the sunlight. So they're not producing the melatonin in the evening. I've often said there's kind of four pillars when it comes to health, sleep, stress, nutrition, and fitness. Mm -hmm. And the CrossFitters don't like hearing this, but if one of them has to go, it should be your fitness. Yeah, for sure. You know, if, yeah, if you don't have the time, stop working out. The other things, because we often think about, well, I need to build muscle. I need to look good in front of the mirror, but you can be very unhealthy. I mean, you, you and I both have a bodybuilding background and mm -hmm. perhaps the most health, unhealthy I've ever been were those moments on stage, you know, yes. posing. And I'm sure we can talk about that. What are one or two tips you would give someone if they were like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying, Anthony, what can I do to improve my circadian rhythm today? So you said yeah. maybe get outside in the morning. I'd say, I'd say morning walk, morning walk sometime before noon. 
15 minutes breathing through your nose, getting sunshine on your skin and glancing in the sun during the eyes. I think there's a big not distinction. Not sun gazing like some of the crazy people. Not like staring at the sun, <laughs> but like maybe glancing at the side, getting some sun in your eyes, not necessarily wearing sunglasses in those moments um, is good. Yeah. Don't stare at the sun. You know, you heard it here first, right? Um, but yeah, getting some sun in your eyes, 15 minute walk in the morning. I think that's like more what I consider just like a baseline for good human health. Like our ancestors weren't doing P90X or CrossFit, right? They were, they were just doing general activity. They were, but they they were calling it hunting. Yeah, there you go, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> or, Fair, or, right? or running from bigger animals. So you're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh-huh. You know, I grew up in upstate New York. There's yeah. no sun before noon in the winter. What, sure. is, what do those people do? Well, I mean, I would say, you know, we, we've looked at people in like Alaska, for example, the extremes of where they have these crazy light cycles and seasonal affective disorder and depression and low vitamin D3 levels are like a real thing. Uh, I would say, honestly, one, it's not like the optimal place for humans to live. I was born in upstate New York. I was born in Syracuse. And like, oh, were you? I'd say, yeah, I, I was. I, I went to SUNY Albany. Where'd you go to undergrad? Nice. University of Pennsylvania. So just a little uh, south from there. Just but a little fancier too. No need a little to fancy, fancy, <laughs> fancy, right? So, um, but yeah, so I mean, those are not like people have lived in those northern, the northern hemisphere um, and they're fair skinned and they're tough people like those Viking descendants. But and you that's know what great. I'm talking about from like October to April I do. in Syracuse. Get one of those lights, get a full spectrum light in your house and do some, get whatever you do. You got a little rower in your house or, you know, some kind of cardio implement, a jump rope, get some light blasting on you in the morning, like a full spectrum white light that can get you uh, some of this circadian rhythm entrainment. Um, you're right. It's not optimal. I can't say it's like optimal. You definitely have benefits to living in the cold at times, but you know, humans kind of, if we're going to go on the whole uh, you know, primal, where did we come from? What were our original behaviors? Well, we probably came from more of the, the equator area and then we moved outwards. So I don't think we started up there. Um, but, you know, I'm not exactly an evolutionary biology expert. So it's tough. I would say get one of those lights, get a light inside. And when you're doing your morning movement, breathe through your nose as well, which is very, very important because I think that also in the morning, this combination of light plus movement to move like lymphatic fluid, get that heart rate slightly elevated um, and breathing through your nose kind of sets like a, a healthy nervous system tone. Um, a lot of people just, they, they, they get up, the mind starts racing. Uh, then we get that first cup of coffee in us and it can create some sympathetic dominance. But whereas uh, our best access to our parasympathetic nervous system is, is like some very conscious uh, breathing through the nose, which I think is just very underrated and very beneficial for overall health. Um, that's probably the first thing. The second thing I would say is become a lot more mindful of like that evening um, a decrease in, in, in ambient light that we get, whether it's putting those uh, screen filters on your phones, um, on your laptops, um, getting blue blocker glasses. Like, you know, I got a crazy freaking pair right here, but you know, I got even got my wife to wear them and she used to think they were great or crazy, but now she loves them because they help her sleep better. Um, but I, I think that watching that, uh, evening light would be the other thing, just light on both ends of the spectrum. Um, and another thing that's important is like, which you'll get the benefit from, you know, well, I guess you're, you're no longer in upstate New York, right? Yeah, no, I'm but, in Colorado now. Right. There you go. Well, still cold at night, but like the cooler, the cooler evening temperatures in your room is another important thing as a part of this rhythm. Yeah. My wife and I recently stopped bringing a computer into the bedroom. You know, we'd watch Netflix on a computer. We don't have a television and we both find that we fall asleep earlier, easier, and deeper totally. from that simple, simple, you know, we read, 
but it's 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 not the same as the the light shining off your computer and the TV and yeah, I love it cold at night. Mm-hmm. Recently, I spoke to Dr. Paul Saladino. He's known as Carnivore MD, mm-hmm. and he's a big pro- proponent of the carnivore diet. I'm currently about a hundred days into it. You know, as a naturopathic doctor, what's what's your take on nutrition? Okay, my take on nutrition is generally first off that there are a lot of different diets that can work for people and that i think there's an individual basis to what people tend to do best on so i'm I'm a little wary to do just sweeping everyone needs to eat these types of ways that being said the diets that most people are successful on do have some commonalities one uh, they optimize gut function so they're healthy on the gi tract Um, and this again is a little bit individual, like certain people find that they eat certain foods and it bloats them, throws off their digestive tract. And so there's an individual basis to this, but every good diet has to be gut health centric, um, has to include anti-inflammatory foods, um, and, or just not including the kind of foods that cause inflammation, um, and needs to be calorie balanced and needs to be enjoyable and sustainable. So there are a lot of people that do like carnivore diets, and I believe that they can be, this is my, this is now my personal opinion that I'll inject here. I believe that they can be very therapeutic uh, and healing for people because when you do go on an all meat diet, um, necessarily you're excluding most of the things that get people in a lot of trouble, a lot of um, high carb, high sugar foods that cause a lot of gut inflammation and maybe even some, you know, some plant lectins and stuff like that, that um, are not good for people. And, and people do tend to feel better. Um, and as people start eating this way too, their insulin sensitivity necessarily increases as they're eating fewer carbohydrate. Um, and I think a lot of people just enjoy the taste of meat. Um, where I would say there could be some problems that I see um, is one, um, I'm a personal believer that when it comes to gut health, the diversity of the gut bacteria is a good thing to have. We're still learning so much about uh, gut health, probiotics, the different strains that are good, um, and how it's even geographically based, what, what kind of gut flora that people do have. That being said, when you feed your body primarily one fuel source, you're kind of moving your, your gut bacteria into that direction. So what we have found is people who do, do primarily carnivore diets, they're getting a lot of amino acids, a lot of fats, not as many carbohydrates, not as much fiber, right? So necessarily, you start to get a gut bacteria population that likes to ferment amino acids, putrefactive bacteria. Um, and in themselves may not be a problem. There are some links potentially to these putrefactive bacteria Uh, fermenting bile acids and salts and maybe increasing colon cancer risk in certain people with certain genetics. But I think more so you're definitely going to constrain the types of uh, bacteria and maybe the diversity of those bacteria. And that may cause problems long-term. It may not. I know there's a lot of people that are on carnivore for years and are still thriving and doing fine. That's definitely a consideration for me. Another What does your nutrition look like? I'll get to there. Let me me build up this whole whole little manifesto here. (laughs) Another concern... Um, I would potentially have is making sure that when you eat higher up on the food chain, the food quality matters even more. All animals are bioaccumulators. And especially we kind of live in a world where there's is a lot of toxic stuff. Um, And animals like to like biologically speaking, fat cells are not just to store energy. They're also to sequester like lipophilic toxins and keep them out of the bloodstream. 
So we know when we look at humans and, and we, we are exposed to all sorts of different things like flame retardants, chemicals in our plastics, et cetera. Um, a lot of these things end up in our fat cells because we can keep them out of circulation when they're doing damage to, to active tissues. Um, and when you do eat animals, um, that have like, uh, that have, that are accumulating fat, you need to make sure they're very clean. It matters what the animal you're eating ate. So you need to be even more cognizant of, of the quality of that. There's a big difference between eating corn fed beef and something that would be like grass fed, grass finished. So that is a variable. Um, it seems like, like you want to say something there. Well, there's an expression that I like. It's, you know, people always say you are what you eat, but then the expression is you are what you eat, eat. Yes. Right. Totally a variable. And I think the health quality of something like meat would be very different depending on the feed. If it's going to be higher in omega-6 content because it was fed corn and soy, GMO soy versus something that actually ate what it was supposed to eat and a cow would be grass and has higher like CLA levels and, and healthier things there. Another variable for carnivore and every diet has its like things you need to watch out for, but this would be another thing that at least on my mind is important is if you are going to do that, um, you need to make sure that you're looking at cooking temperatures. So we do know that um, things that are cooked in a really high heat, you know, that nice char we love on our steaks, like that's not good for us. Um, when those proteins get denatured under very high heat, they turn into these things called heterocyclic amines, HCAs, or polyaromatic aromatic hydrocarbons. Lots of different words for these, but they are cancer-promoting substances. So when we're taking these things um, and we're really charring that meat, then it's probably not in our best interest to be doing that all the time. So something like dehydrating some of your stuff could be a good thing or learning how to cook on lower temperatures. Maybe you do your meat sous vide, you know, in those little pouches and, and cooking it that way. I, I think we're going to find that that is the better way to, to do your meat um, if you're going to eat in that way. So these are like, I'd say the gut bacteria diversity, what you ate, ate and high heat temperatures. You don't want to combust a lot of those fats, like a fattier cut of steak. You don't want to combust that. You can make some dioxins and stuff like that that aren't necessarily good um, would be concerns. All of those can be ameliorated with perhaps the exception of the the, the gut bacteria, maybe you could find a way to get some kind of like other fiber sources in there that aren't, isn't overloading your system and you can tolerate well, could be a consideration there. Um, but I, I think those are things that I would be thinking about were I on a carnivore diet. What's your experience been like so far? You know, you said you're a couple months into this, right? hundred days or so. Yeah, I think probably right around today, you know, I started mid July. So mm -hmm. definitely past three months. It, I love it. I truly love it. I've, I had my, uh, blood test done a couple almost a month ago now and although my LDL went up uh, Dr. Paul and I had a conversation about it and he's a firm believer the LDL alone it doesn't tell the full story and many of my other markers would suggest that it's still very healthy but thing you know from a broader perspective I would say a my energy is through the roof I feel mm -hmm. great all day long and I know you're not super familiar with CrossFit, but there, there are workouts where you just feel like I can't go on anymore. I'm fatigued. I'm exhausted. And, and while, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to the CrossFit Games next year. I, I definitely feel like my tank is deeper. Mm -hmm. I can push a little bit harder. I'm, I'm as lean as I've been while being very strict tracking macros, which is a little bit more stressful. You know, right now, I track my food, but at the end of the day, my number one priority is, you know, meats, eggs, and cheese. And if I do that well, I'm happy. Some days that leads me to, you know, 3000 calories. Some day it leads me to 1800. I try to just eat based on how I feel. And so with that being said, I, I definitely have a little less stress when it comes to my nutrition plan. And 
overall, I just feel great. You know, I'd say if there's a downfall, certainly at around day 100, you're like, all right, I want a different taste. Mm-hmm. You know, meats and even cheeses all kind of have that same. I'm sure they there's a deeper salty, savory, yeah, you know, whatever that. We'll make up a word, yeah, yeah, the umami <laughs> type thing. <laughs> Point that you know, it all hits your tongue the same way. Yeah. And there are definitely days my wife's pregnant where she's eating something, and I'm like, I really want that. Yeah. But from a, I don't know, a. T- I, this is a weird word to use, but like a toughness perspective. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that I'm doing something challenging. Yes. That, that other people won't do and it forces me to be black and white about it. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me go to bed like, hey, I'm achieving something today. And then I think any diet should do that for you. But for me, this is doing the trick. Nice. Now, I assume based on everything you've said, you'd probably recommend, hey, throw in a couple vegetables that don't mess with your gut. Yeah. Throw in some good berries and, and stuff like that. And I would. Yeah, and then... And I'm all for that. I don't think being so black and white like I am is, is the right answer. I think there's, there's, there's balance in there. And Dr. Paul talks about that. It's quality of life. I mean, you see me sipping on coffee. I'm not crazy off the charts strict, but it's mm-hmm. working for me. And I think there's probably some validity and, and health benefits to throwing that in. That'll probably be one of the first things I do. I know as soon as I open that door, though, it's like yeah. cookies aren't many days away you know? <laughs> four steps away it yeah. was like broccoli blueberries cookies so yeah, it's just a matter <laughs> but um you know I don't, I don't know that i'll do it forever i'm sure i'll have a slice of pizza again but i like the fact that if i do decide to have a slice of pizza tomorrow i just go back to you know bacon eggs and sausage yeah got it that's cool so tell I think me what the- you do I will. And I think I want to comment on the LDL too. I think like if anyone's going to get their LDL check these days, I think we're kind of figuring out that it's not just total numbers anymore. We need to be looking at like the oxidized LDLs and getting some of these more advanced lipid panels. It's not just LDL in total number. It's LDL particle size. We actually know that you want like those big fluffy LDLs versus the small dense LDLs. Um, it has a big influence on how LDL may impact your your inflammation in your arteries and in cardiovascular risk factors. So you know, total LDL number, I think now in like 2020 medicine is just not good enough, right? So I don't know if we can even make a conclusion based off that. And if you know you have less inflammation too, it's like the LDL that gets oxidized is the bad stuff. So my diet um, is, I believe that it, kind of in this evolutionary perspective, I believe that humans are best when we're metabolically flexible. So I don't like to necessarily rely on one food source. I, I'm a big believer in using things like intermittent fasting to get the benefit of um, being in a fasted state and kind of balancing that yin and yang of anabolism and catabolism. Like my, my perspective now, you know, it was different when I was bodybuilding where it's like, how can you be as anabolic as possible at the expense of everything for the goal of like getting bigger and adding more tissue to your body. Now I'm, I'm like, man, I, I want to be healthy. I want to move well and feel good and have phenomenal energy and do this for the next hundred years. So metabolic flexibility through intermittent fasting is very good. I believe it's important because you get so many benefits to like the insulin sensitivity, the fasting allows your body to, to auto digest some of those bad built up proteins, reduces inflammation, and you get to produce some ketone bodies too. So it's like you get this alternative fuel source mechanism that's like very tapped into our, our biology and how we function. And at the same time, you can on other times have particularly like post-workout would be a wonderful time, right? To get some of these healthy um, carbohydrate containing foods that 
still have phenomenal benefits, like something like blueberries. Like there's so many good things about blueberries. We could almost do a whole conversation like about that in general. There's like a lot of these great polyphenols in these, in these certain fruits are good. Now, I think we're really interesting if looking at like an evolutionary perspective, I think there's a ton of evidence that shows that humans did evolve, um, including fruits as a primary mainstay. If you look at our teeth, if you look at the, the length of our digestive tract, and you look at some of our most closely related um, simian brothers and sisters, like chimpanzees, um, they're like they have a lot. They're frugivores, so they they eat a lot of fruits. And I think the reason that humans kind of I think fruit would be an important thing to include. If I could say like take carnivore and optimize it, I would say do it for a while to get in the groove, and then add some fruits and some flexibility in there as well. The reason I think is if you look at almost need to look at like humans, we look at ourselves as like isolated creatures, um, but we're not. We co-evolved with the actual plants and the fruits. Just like you don't think about flowers unless you think about bees. They're almost like one super organism. Like flowers don't exist without bees. Bees don't exist without flowers, philosophically. I think the same thing about humans and fruit. Um, humans and fruit together. Um, the color of the fruits is a big reason why we have such sharp color vision because we're meant to see when something is very ripe and colorful, it signals to us, hey, it's ready to eat. And that raspberry wants to be eaten. It wants us to eat it because when we eat it, we don't digest all its seeds. And then it goes through our GI tract, confers benefits to us and our gut bacteria. And then we squat, we run over 200 yards and we squat over and we poop it in this nice pile of poop and it plants itself. So you made me think of something. Yeah. I think everybody is this huge proponent of like kale and other leafy greens, which I believe have been proven to not be so good for you. I agree. So as you're saying that about the colors, I'm wondering, they're green. They're very cellulose. Forest grass is green. Yes. Right? Is it, uh, are they trying to hide? Yeah. Well, perhaps, but I I do know that like the colorful stuff is trying to not hide. Right. It's trying to be seen. And it also produces- it produces sugar too, because it wants us to, it wants to taste good. Right. I mean, it's like, we're, we're, we're like co-evolved with this and, and yes, the leaves that we are supposed to eat is not the really big roughage of the kale. It is the soft baby leaves, like something yeah. like baby spinach or those baby things or stuff we can actually break down. Like we're not ruminant animals. We don't have the multiple stomachs and the gut bacteria to break down tons of that stuff. I'm not a proponent. If you're going to have kale, it's like in, in some of these really dense stuff, it's almost better to have them like slightly cooked and steamed and broken down. Like raw kale is like not something that's easy for the human system to digest or even break down and can, can cause problems for some people. But fruit and is different. No one's like, eating kale because it tastes good. Right. There you go. Yeah. Unless it's got like that Caesar dressing Parmesan or whatever the heck's on it. Right. Yeah. A Caesar salad is a different story. But the fruit is different. Um, And it it also has like the, the proteins that are in fruits. We would like, Oh man, there's no fruit and protein. Like very little, right. Compared to something like a steak. But um, the protein that is in fruit is in the form of free form amino acids. Like everything in fruit is incredibly bioavailable. Like it is simple sugars, which we've kind of villainized in, you know, in mainstream nutrition. It has simple sugars and free form amino acids in a concert with fiber that helps our digestive tract and a lot of vitamins and minerals. So it's like super accessible. And that's why when you eat something like fruit, it can actually get through your GI system in like, I don't know, like an hour. Depends on the type of fruit. If it's watery like watermelon, within an hour, some fruits take a little bit longer. If it's like a banana, it has a little more density to it, less water content. Um, but I think it can be a great addition. And I think a lot of athletes can benefit from well-timed fruit. Something to consider too, is we don't think about this enough. Um, and, and not this podcast, I'm hijacking this podcast, talk about fruit now, but I think it's cool stuff. So um, 
is eating a mono fruit meal, only doing one fruit at a time. If people feel like they have digestive issues with fruit, it's because not all fruits mix. Like we know there's a big difference between something like a watermelon and like a date or a banana. Like one is like mostly water and will empty through the GI tract very quickly. And a banana is something that's going to take a lot longer. Um, and so eating one type of fruit at a time, which is probably the experience of our ancient ancestors. They didn't like find a banana and a watermelon. Like they probably found a patch of one thing. Um, it does seem like a really good idea. And if you are to eat fruit as well, um, first thing on an empty stomach is good. Like if you want to have a surefire way to upset your stomach, have something that's slower digesting and, and takes a lot more effort like a steak and then have fruit after it. Like that fruit is just going to sit on that bolus of steak as it's moving through your GI tract and it's going to get fermented by your gut bacteria and it's going to make you gassy. So I think fruit on an empty stomach, um, can be a good, uh, you know, if it, it depends on how you want to set up your nutrition, but I, I think it's something that probably can be combined with some high quality meats, seafood, high quality eggs, et cetera, um, in a healthy plan. Cool. I love it. Tell me about your bodybuilding career. When was the last time you were on stage? So I, I got super into bodybuilding. I started pretty early. Um, the reason I got into lifting initially, like way back is because I watched my dad get sick. Um, and he died at 42 years young when I was nine age. at the time. Yeah. So he died early. Right. And I was nine and it, it really got me interested in health because in my, in my age or in my mind, when I was nine, I was like, man, I learned that health is like the foundation, like you said, of everything we love. Cause you lose your health. Like you lose everything that you, that you want to participate in your ability to work, provide for your family, you know, enjoy your hobbies and passions, et cetera. Like dad lost all of that. So that's why I started exercising and eating healthy very young. Cause I want to get in my mind stronger than, than cancer. Um, and I started lifting and I got a pair of my dad's dumbbells and I started training. So I was into wrestling and athletics, um, in high school. Did you and wrestle I was like, in Syracuse? no, I wrestled in Arizona where we moved out here afterwards. Um, and I was a pretty average wrestler, but I was very good in the weight room. So Sounds I was like, like me. yeah, so I was like a very average wrestler, but I was really good in the weight room. And I found out that I actually like, just like loved the training more so than I loved being technical and good at wrestling. And the matches that I did win were just cause I was strong enough to like snap people down and kind of manhandle them, but I wasn't a great wrestler. Um, but it, it did open up my passion for fitness in, in bodybuilding. I did my first bodybuilding show, um, actually at the university of Pennsylvania, they had a school bodybuilding show, which was one of the reasons I wanted to go there. I went to my guidance counselor. I'm like, what's the best school you think I can get into that also has a really sweet gym. And UPenn was like, ended up being that school for me. So I did that bodybuilding show and I was kind of hooked because I loved how you could take, uh, your nutrition, your training to like the nth degree and, you know, really create tremendous changes to your body composition. And I, and I grew up, we, I grew up in the era of like when the muscle magazines were like a big thing. I'd love to buy the you know, muscle and fitness, muscular development and see the huge guys. And, you know, I had no idea about steroids at the time, but I was like, I think I could do this, right? <laughs> Making yeah. me get that point. Um, I competed probably 10 or 10 or 15 times throughout from 18 to probably 25. And I hence, I stopped when I got into medical school, diminishing returns. I loved it. I was a, I was a very good junior bodybuilder, like under 21, 22. Um, but the jump from being a very good bodybuilder in those, in those age ranges to being like, a very good bodybuilder, uh, you know, in the, in the open age brackets is like, is a big thing and required things that I didn't want to get into. Yeah. You definitely have to start dabbling. Yeah, for sure. In some, in some illegal substances. Yeah. sounds very much like my journey, you know, stopped around that age. Cause it was a, I just enjoyed the training more than the preparation for being the tanning, the shaving, 
the sure. painting, etc. And yeah, I mean, I was small. There's only there's only so far you can go being ripped. You had to get huge at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you f- you finish up bodybuilding while you're in med school. Yeah, I understand that the the struggle is real. I'm sure it was hard to do both. Where did you mm-hmm. Where did you get your medical degree? So there are a couple really good. I've got like the the Harvard of naturopathic medicine is out in Arizona. Actually, we have a big like uh, community. So it's the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine is where I went. So I was fortunate. It was kind of in my backyard where I grew up. I thought I was gonna originally get a PhD in nutrition just because I love this nutrition stuff. Um, but naturopathic medicine ended up being uh, a great thing for me. So here in here in Arizona. And how did you make this transition from? You're still a doctor. Don't get me wrong, but more so an entrepreneur now with the Fit Father and Fit Mother Project. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I always found, you know, getting so passionate about fitness at a young age, I was both doing it and teaching it to my friends. Like even in high school, when I was like, I'd, I'd been doing it for, let's say, say five years at that point um, in the middle of high school, my friends were noticing like, man, you're like way bigger, way stronger than us, like, like help us too. So I developed this passion for like, teaching other people about training. And so I always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to, whatever I did and learned, I wanted to be able to like roll it out to people so they can help improve their lives. And, and I like the idea of teaching people at scale with things through like websites, podcasts, et cetera. So in medical school, I started dabbling with um, making websites and stuff. First website I made was called in your Healthy- free time. Yeah, my free time, right? But hey, you know, I'll tell you this, sometimes, you know, medical school classes are not always the most exciting. So I started something called like healthy bookshelf, where I was just like reading these health books, and I was going to like, go and summarize them for people. The website went nowhere. But I started learning how to like do websites. Um, And then when I got into like the clinical rotation and and treating patients aspect of of medical school, um, I started seeing a lot of guys that I I, kind of like saw my dad there, like, busy, don't know how to manage their nutrition, their exercise, and, and their problems would be solved by some of the, all the lifestyle things that you know and believe in, I know and believe in. So like, how do I teach this? And I started, you know, because being a doctor is not just about the medicines, the prescriptions, the diagnosis, it's teaching. Like the word docere, doctor, means to teach or instruct. And so I'm like, how can I start to, to formalize this into a system where you know, very few people who come into your office that are overweight and have conditions won't have their health improved with like sleep, nutrition, exercise in a way that's sustainable. So I started to kind of codify this system and it eventually became the Fit Father Project. And after graduating, I launched that website and I started writing articles to see if I could get, attract guys to this information. We got our first couple of clients. We started training them personally. I started hiring people and we just kind of like have grown like that. I think going on nine years now. Um, and it's awesome. Like the internet is amazing. The age that we live in and how we can help people is amazing because you know this stuff and you can put it into like a sustainable system. My team and I over the past couple of years, we've had like 30,000 people in a hundred countries go through our program. So it's crazy. Like if I were I a doctor in an office, maybe that might be the amount of people I could see in a lifetime if I were working yeah. like 60 hours a week for in my years. And I think that's incredibly valuable. Like the one-on work, you can go so deep with people and really get your hands on them and, and help. But at the same time, if you would develop like a really amazing online experience, you can help a ton of people too, which is what we're kind of doing. And we, from there, we, we have the fit mother project now too, because a lot of those guys had wives, sisters, you know, friends that wanted to get on that too. So fit mother projects, a thing. And now we're just, we're too busy. <laughs> we're just super busy. We're busy doing these things. So that taking like a time for a podcast like this is a break for me. It's really fun. So, so you mentioned before we got on the air that you are sometimes looking for coaches to, to help you with 
both the fit father and fit mother projects? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that was something we were talking about beforehand. You know, I'm, I'm really happy to share my perspectives on all these things and like what would be awesome because I know there's a lot of people listening to this who are incredibly skilled, know all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, and if someone listening here is interested in like connecting with what we do, likes the idea of Fit Father and Fit Mother Project, you can check out our YouTube channel and our websites. Like we're looking to hire more coaches because managing 30,000 members is like, it requires some manpower to be able to still be like personal with people. And so, so you're not working them. with all 30,000 individually, you're saying. <laughs> and, yeah, I got a time machine too. I'll tell you about that later, right? <laughs> no, but like, no. So, I mean, everyone is, people are in groups, they're going through our program curriculum, they're using our meal plans, our workout programming, et cetera, um, which is very similar uh, to CrossFit. Like we're big believers in like metabolic resistance training, you know, strength, mobility, um, and cardio kind of all into time efficient workouts. We're just not as good at naming things. Um, and <laughs> no, but I mean, that's I'm really just, what I'm, CrossFit did well. They were like, Hey, let's call it a thruster. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. But yeah, so it's very similar philosophies, but that, that if anyone is interested, we'd love for you to reach out and, and talk to us. And we're always looking for like super quality people who want to grow with us. So yeah. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Probably fit father project, um, website. There's a contact form on there. Um, where you can click contact and you'll get in contact with me and my team. They'll send me your message and we can chat. Yeah. And especially this day and age where so much is going virtual, right? Right. I mean, there's threats of another shutdown. So maybe some box owners, maybe coaches that aren't going to be able to, you know, get paid their hourly wage, have an opportunity to do some coaching online. Mm -hmm. And what are, what have been some of the success stories that you've had with both fathers and mothers? Man. I mean, I think the cool thing about the way we communicate our brand message is we're not like the fit man project, we're the fit father project. So when people join us, they're not just joining for fitness, they're joining because they know that they need to change their life to be congruent with some of their higher core values. So the success stories come in all forms and we've helped people lose 200 pounds. We've, we've helped guys in their sixties and seventies get like raging six pack, six pack abs. I thought you were about to say another word after raging, but. Oh yeah. Raging boners. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you're probably true too. Glad they don't send us those pictures. Um, but yeah, so I mean all over the board, I think the most meaningful things though is, is what they get to share that happens in their life as a result of their improved fitness uh, their establishment of a system that they can sustain. Um, I've almost everyone that works with us now um, on our team is someone that's been through our programs. Like, uh, you know, we, like one of our most recent hires was a guy who's, who was a minister for, I think like 30 years in Indiana, who was just so blown away at like even the spiritual changes in connection he got from getting his health back. I think he lost like 150 pounds or so that he joined our team. So Amazing stories, a lot of husbands and wives getting healthy together. And, and I think the cool thing is most of the time our workouts are done, particularly right now during COVID, at home. People are doing complexes with kettlebells, dumbbells, like at home in our, in our workout programs. And their kids too get to see that and get to participate or at least like it creates this culture of health and at home that rubs off on future generations. Because kind of like I talked about in the beginning, you asked about naturopathic medicine. I, I told you that one thing is prevention is the best cure. Well, with Fit Father Project, Fit Mother Project, we're doing the unwinding. We're taking people who are like balled up in bad habits and, and stress and, and some depression and hopelessness around their health. And we're helping them unwind that. And as they unwind that, they're kind of like also showing their kids and helping them prevent the same kind of path moving forward. So that's, that's really what we're into. I love it. And I hope that some of the listeners reach out 
for the listeners, you know, Dr. Anthony and I spoke beforehand and I said, you are some of the most open-minded, receptive people. And I think that's what's great about our podcast is we can have Dr. Anthony on, we can have Dr. Paul Saladino on, and then we can have, you know, Kelly Starrett on, you know, all yeah. people that are in and out of the CrossFit world. So please don't think that you can't reach out just because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all CrossFit, it's all fitness. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if I told the listeners, hey, you can help someone lose 100 pounds, but, you know, they're not doing CrossFit, they're walking, you know, if you're a coach, it wouldn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. And nothing, everything to, you said about nutrition is right in line with, you know, CrossFit says eat meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Yep. Basically, exactly That's pretty what much you our said. plan. Yeah. It's pretty and, much our plan, yeah. You know, and, and I would, you know, quantify that a little bit with, hey, be smarter with your vegetables. That's certainly one thing, one thing I've learned, but um, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, anything... You want to add though? I don't want to, you've, you've got no. me motivated to go outside and walk to be full Good. disclosure. We're going to get off this call. I'm going to throw Rocky on his heart in his harness. And, <laughs> and we're going to go, we're going to go for a walk because it's sunny out and it's been a couple of days. And you know, I, you reminded me cause it's important. It's like when it's beautiful and warm in Colorado, it's easy, but the sun is still shining even when it's cold. Yep. And yep, I think yep, that's yep. important for those, you know, Syracuse people, Surprised you didn't go to Syracuse University. You probably, my dad, my dad, my dad did. We probably Carmelo Anthony age, no? Yeah. 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 My, I remember I had just graduated, but the owner of the gym that I opened my first CrossFit at uh, was a Syracuse alum and he went to the final four the year that Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. That was big time back then. Yeah. Uh Um, But I mean, it, it does get sunny in upstate New York and it might be, 20 degrees, just bundle up and, and go outside, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So, I think that's a good way to wrap it. Anything wanna, you want to add? Well, um, I, th- I wish we had another hour because I think where I can also like add value in a conversation is I'd love to speak. And maybe this is a, a, like a hint, hint, invite me back and we can have another conversation, but um, would be around, I think we have a very unique approach on how we, how we talk about like the, the mindset, the motivation and helping our clients get connected to their health and seeing health is foundational, like on a very deep level, a deep level that gives them like that intrinsic why and motivation that helps them stay successful. Um, I don't want to like, we won't go into that here. I just come almost no, like a teaser open loop. You are welcome back anytime. So as soon as we sign off, let's you and I throw something on the calendar because I'm a perfect. I love talking about mindset. I think it's you know, vital. I know very early in the show, you mentioned your spiritual journey. Yes. And I'd love to hear more about that because, you know, I'm 42 and about to have my first child. So I'm on my own little spiritual journey myself. Yeah. So I'd love to, I'd love to chat more about that. Let's, let's definitely have you back for uh, for number two. And I, I know when I'm speaking to somebody, whether or not the listeners, are, it's going to resonate with the listeners and, and, and everything you said, Dan, it won't be long before you find yourself at a CrossFit box. Yeah, I've thought about it. <laughs> you know, there's some great ones out there. I'm not super familiar with the scene, but but like we were saying, that was kind of the hub for CrossFit. Now it's obviously in Boulder. It went to uh-huh. Santa Cruz for a bit, but uh, there's still some great. And, and you know what? Um, where do you train typically? Uh, I have an amazing home gym that we shoot all our videos out of. So I've been training by myself and I train with some buddies at, at their gyms. I have a buddy who owns a gym out here. So we get a little private gym experience. I'm spoiled now, man. I got a home gym, got a video set up, but yeah. Um, I could, I could see some people sometimes we have a home gym too, but it's a little more challenging to get in that garage when it's 20 degrees. 
Yeah, I bet. The barbell's cold, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. Well, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, fitfatherproject.com. Yep, and fitmotherproject.com too. But yeah, fitfatherproject, contact us there. Um, We'd love to hear from you. And then fitfatherproject on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And on Instagram. Yep. You got it all. (laughs) We got it all. All right. Well, it was great chatting with you, and we'll have you back in, in a couple weeks to talk more about mindset. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.